and in volatility in financial markets saw a staggering $5 trillion wiped off the value of global equities in a two-week period. The CBOE VIX index, often known as Wall Street's fear gauge, last month rose to its highest level since China's surprise devaluation of the yuan in August 2015. It was a wake-up call for many that markets are not a one-way bet and corrections are a normal part of a healthy market that can suddenly and violently break even some of the most established trends. So how should you react to markets that appear to be more volatile as you make your investment decisions? To get some answers, I went to talk with Rick Atkinson, Managing Director of Private Capital. Why are we suddenly seeing this explosion in volatility? I'm, I'm not sure it is a sudden explosion. It's just that we've, been, we've had such a long run of positive markets. We're obviously due for some sort of correction or stall. I don't think it's anything out of the ordinary at all. So the previous period where markets really for over a year just never went down more than about 1% um, or so, that, that was really unusual, wasn't it? Normally you do see corrections in an in a ongoing market. Yeah, that's been rather a long run, but I, I often wonder why people just talk about volatility when it's on the downside. To me, the volatility is on the upside as well. So I think the markets have been volatile, just a little bit more on the upside for longer than we're perhaps used to. Yeah, because volatility is supposed to be directionless, isn't it? Not mm. So if a market goes up 1% a day for you know, several weeks, that's a pretty volatile market. I've got, I've got some interesting figures I pulled out for you before this meeting. Um, I won't lay claim to the figures myself. They're from a company called Capital Research and Management, and the figures go back to 1900 to 2016. Markets about three times a year are negative by 5%. They're negative 10% about once a year, negative 15% about once every two years, and negative 20% about once every three and a half years. So this, what we're experiencing now, is no different from the figures I've got going back to 1900. But what's causing this at the moment? Because suddenly we have seen a big correction in a long period where there's been no significant correction at all. Why is that? I, I, I don't know, and I don't think anybody does. And I honestly believe that nobody knows where the markets are going to be tomorrow or the next day or the next year. So I don't really understand why people get too bent out of shape about it. So if you're a retail investor, um, what should you do to try and deal with this volatility? Is there anything you should change? Or? No. If you're a retail investor and you're averaging in the markets by, by way of a regular savings plan, volatility is great. Volatility is exactly what you want. If you're not a retail investor and you're not investing for the long term, I'd question why you're in the markets at all. Should you really try and not keep tracking your valuations and what your portfolio is doing? Because the temptation is when you see these markets moving up and down so much, you want to keep on checking what's going on. We, we spend a great lot of time with our clients on what we call behavioural science. And our role is to keep clients invested. Once invested, remain in the seat and stay invested. Valuation today and evaluation tomorrow is completely irrelevant. It'll be different next week and, it'll be different, and it was different the week before. But it's easier to do that if you're younger, isn't it? Where you've got a longer term time horizon and even if the markets were to go down 10 or 20%, you have plenty of opportunity for that to be made back. Yeah, it, it is. But there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a new a body of opinion and research about what we call drawdown in retirement. And if you're a risky investor before your retirement, you're still a risky investor after retirement. And there's ways of minimising the risk in terms of your income requirements. 
I, I don't believe that you should be jumping in and out of the markets because nobody can time the markets with any degree of certainty. So once you're in, you're in. 08 was a great lesson in life, really. The markets came off 45% there or thereabouts. Within 12 months, they were back to where they were. The people that got out and didn't get back in lost a lot more than they would have done by remaining in the market. So really, to capture the investment potential, you've got to be in the market in the first place, and it's just a few days a year that add to a lot of the yearly performance. Yeah, and there's a lot of evidence out there that would suggest there's more danger being out of the market than in the market. And you said you can manage your risk. How do you do that? Well, I think you're managing, you're managing risk by making sure that your risk profile is, is relevant to your needs and your tolerance. And we very, very rarely change our portfolio stands for our clients. Once, they've, once, we've, we've, um, once we've actually got their risk tolerance level, that remains right the way through, including into retirement. But as you get older and you come to retirement, if we were to have a really big correction in the market, then maybe you don't have so much time to make back that, that big drop. What, what should you do then? Well, no, I hear what you're saying there, but we're, we're continually rebalancing the portfolio. So the portfolio never gets out of sync. So if a, a client is 50-50, bonds and equities, and we have a really good year and it becomes 60-40 equities to bonds, then at the end of that year we'll trim it back to 50-50. So we're remaining, the risk tolerance remains the same. It, it, big drawdowns are big drawdowns. The big drawdowns will come back again. Then the markets will always recover. So is being diversified an important part of trying to be able to sleep at night and make sure that you can deal with these volatile markets? Yeah, I think that's one of the main issues, without doubt, is... Uh, diversification and our portfolios typically will have 20,000 holdings, 10,000 equities and 10,000 bonds. That's as diversified as you can get. The second uh, key to the equation is to have a real low cost base. Mm. And tax, not so much an issue in Hong Kong, but tax efficiency is also a key part. They're the three components that we can control. What we can't control is what the markets, how the market's going to behave so we don't bother trying. Does that diversification still work at the moment when markets tend to all be quite well correlated? Everything seems to be going down together, stocks, bonds, the US dollar, all going down together, um, which is quite unusual in many ways, isn't it? it? It is, but diversification towards is diversifying the risk of anything going wrong vis-a-vis an Enron-type scenario. If you've got 10,000 equity put positions in your, put, in, your, in your portfolio, one or two companies that are going to go pop, it doesn't matter. So that's what, that's what we might mean by diversification. We'll stick with the bonds and equities until something comes along that's slightly better. So if you're a retail investor that's managing your own portfolio, then you can't really invest in 10,000 different securities. How do you deal with that? You can. You can, in fact. A, a, a proper structured portfolio um, can get access to that level of investment with the right investment vehicle. Clearly, I can't go into detail on, the, on this programme, but... And a retail investor can get access to a huge amount of diversification. And should we expect more of this volatility? I mean, some people are saying that the reason for this volatility is because interest rates in the US are going up. Um, economic growth around the world is very strong. So we're now moving away from this period where we've had abnormally low interest rates. And that's one of the reasons why we are seeing more volatile markets now. I don't think they're any more volatile than they've ever been in the past. And I don't think they'll be any more volatile than they will be in the future. I, w- I will admit to a certain degree of apprehension with re- regards to interest rates. We are, and I've got a chart in my office there that shows interest rates since the Bank of England was formed and they've never been this low for this long. Mm-hmm. So it's a great unknown. But even the central banks don't know what the outcome's going to be. So I'm not sure how we can tell. 
Now, some people say these wild swings, and some high-profile fund managers have said this, these wild swings are like the early tremors warning of an earthquake to come and that maybe we're, we're gearing up for a big crash. Is that a worry that you have? No, because I can't do anything about it. So I'll worry about it when it happens. I just don't understand how anybody can take precautions other than perhaps going 100% to cash. And we all know the, wor- the concerns and the, the worries and the real dangers about being in cash. Other people have gone 100% gold. I've got, I know somebody who's, who's sunk everything, including his Hong Kong property, a few years ago and went into gold. And it, it doesn't look quite a good move now. Mm-hmm. But he's read the book about the world's going to end, which is a scenario that you're painting. But historically, betting on the world ending and markets crashing has never been a good bet. No, we've, you know, we've been through how many wars in the last 100 years? I'm sure there's going to be some more wars. Um, oddly enough, markets seem to quite like wars. <laughs> and markets seem to quite like interest rates going up sometimes as well. Yeah, and uh, that's the way we have to go. And Hong Kong's going to be, it's going to be interesting when, um, when interest rates do start to rise. But Hong Kong people are pretty smart and the, the leverage is not as high as perhaps somewhere else in the world because we've kept reasonable controls. I think we all know it's coming. We just don't know to what degree and to what severity we're going to experience. That was Rick Atkinson of Private Capital. This is the final Money Talk Extra in this series and the programme will take a five-week break. Jimmy Lamb and I will return with a new series of Money Talk Extra on Saturday the 21st of April. So please do join us then. In the meantime, this is Peter Lewis hoping you have a great weekend.